you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I had an eureka moment that I have to share with you. A wasn't gonna rap, but I feel it in, in my spirit. A. Listen, let me explain something to you. Um, God is good. Hmm? All the time. Church? And all the time? That's right. God is good. Thank you so much. Um, I had a breakthrough and could not wait to get to a quiet place to get on this phone and scream it to the mountaintops that God is God. <laughs> Amaze. Listen to me. Listen. Cause just just listen, please, because I'm excited. Um, not everything bad should have a bad result. Not everything uncomfortable should just equate to discomfort. I very much do not like math, right? It's just high, the high school algebra mixing signs and letters and numbers and the combo thereof wasn't my favorite when I was in high school. But I remember that if you time something with a positive and negative, it's kind of like the sign switched up. So if it was two negatives, it didn't always have to be a negative outcome depending on what formula you were using and all of that. And so that is how I'm going to start looking at uncomfortable situations in my life. I had, let me give you some backdrop because you know how we do. I was having a conversation with my husband last night. And listen, these are real talk. You know, I have conversations that just lead me to rabbit trails and the Holy Spirit puts his spin on it. And next thing you know, boom, we got we, we got some knowledge and some gems and, and we flowing. So I get to my husband. I was just like, listen, I, I was at work and I was having a difficult time there. And I stopped for a moment, was sitting in the seat at work and was like, God, what am I doing wrong? Like, I don't like, bro, I'm, I'm praying. I'm. I'm, I'm trying to read scripture and stuff before I go in. I, I'm getting my mind right and I'm doing everything, but I'm still feeling every element of what goes on in here. Like the environment is just trashed, sir. I'm talking my capital T it, okay, to the rash. It's just, it's disgusting. And I heard God so effortlessly and gently say to me, you're wearing the wrong outfit when you go to work. And I was like, the wrong. so I'm looking down like, sir, I am fresh. You hear me? I'm talking about from the crown of thine head, sir. To to listen, you see me? I know you see it. And he was like, see, no, that's a problem. You're putting on a lot of or you're putting in a lot of effort on your exterior, but you're still dressing wrong for the environment spiritually. I was like, hmm. So I let that kind of sink in. Like, you know, God needs you to give me a little bit more like it tastes good but what's the ingredient so I know how to go ahead and formulate this on my own and so I had someone come in my office at that time and I was just like they they could see it in my face it was like what's wrong so I kind of in a non-gossiping way just said I'm just having a hard time here like it's just I don't know if it's because I'm new or I'm not from the south like I don't understand and she said to me you're not wearing your repellent you need to put like on, what's that thing? It's repellent. And I wanted to slap myself because I'm like, we just had a conversation about repellent. Didn't we? You remember it? When I was saying, you know, you need to just let stuff just slide off like it's a repellent. And then look at me. I was like, you know what, God, I see what you did. And this person is not even in our conversation. So I'm like, how does she know, sir? And God was like, because it's me, ma'am. And I was like, yes, yeah, sir. And that's how that went. But moving forward. 
So that whole your dressing room kind of like settled into me. So when I came home yesterday night, I was having a conversation with my husband. And I'm like, you know, just and I kind of just word vomited all the irritations and frustrations and such and such is speaking this way. And it's not the fact that somebody's saying something. It's the fact that I'm not really sure on how to respond back in a professional manner. Like if this was on the streets, we wouldn't be having this conversation. If this was just a normal we and Al too, and you said something slick, ma'am, I'll be an Al for so quick. I don't got time to be dealing. I'm not even, I don't even know your name. I won't even remember your face once I drive down the road. So I'm not going to give it no extra. But if it was somebody that I had to frequent, you know, and, and we had to deal, like it wouldn't be no question on, you know, how should I or or what should I say? It's going to get said. Regardless how it comes out, it's going to get said. But something about it being in the professional realm almost had me like, I feel like I'm Joe. I'm like, stutter stepping. You feel me? It's like, why are you letting this stutter step happen here? And it's like, because honestly, I really had to deal with this kind of, um, yeah, this kind of Goliath in this realm. So I immediately felt like, okay, God, so you're teaching me something new now because I'm going to need it later because that's the only reason God does it. He puts nothing in vain. You need to learn your ABCs and all of that in elementary because you're going to start reading soon. And then also you're going to take these same letters and you're going to be putting them in math equations in high school and middle school. And so it's a build upon. And so I'm like, if it's that in the earthly realm, you got to know that it's that in the spiritual realm. Nothing goes in vain. God uses every ingredient of your life to chef up something amazing. And just because you don't like the taste of it now and just because you don't understand how how come I got to memorize all the sounds of the 26 letters? This is stupid. And it's because he cannot just let you pass off a good behavior when he knows this is going to be your kryptonite later on if you don't get it now. God is building you in a way that you're supposed to be for tough, that you're supposed to be a soldier of the army of God, that you're supposed to be just unbreakable in the spiritual realm. So if he needs you to be that, then that means he got to let you spar a couple of times. You don't just wake up one day or a boxer doesn't just wake up one day and say, you know what? I would like to fight Mike Tyson. Oh, I'm sorry. I would like to go ahead and just name a heavy hitter. I want to go ahead and, you know, pretty boy Floyd in his prime, you know, Roy Jones, however you want to do it. You don't just jump from, I have an idea. I have a passion. I have a desire. I have a calling on my life to be the best of anything. So I want to go ahead and defeat the best right now. It's small steps. You're going to have to fight with this probably four people in the crowd just waiting for you to do And And it probably feel cold in there because it's not a lot of body heat because nobody's there to see you, sir, ma'am. And you're like, I don't understand it. Yeah, but everybody started there. Even Mike Tyson started there. Everybody great. Lennox, all the people. If you watch anything in boxing, every you got to start with the gloating gloves. You understand? And then you start getting the buzz where it's like, oh, you you may be something. But it's how you spa that goes ahead and built something in you so that you can be the best ever when you have heavy component proponents that's looking at you from across the way like, I never heard of this name, but your punches is amazing. You don't have to know my name, but you're going to feel my presence. You're going to feel this passion. You're going to feel this calling on my life. Yes, you are. And that's not just a boxing analogy. You need to be able to walk in any vicinity where God has you and God called you and God planted you and be able to say, you don't have to know my name. You don't have to know my credentials, but you will know that I was here by God. You're going to feel this. You're going to feel this uppercut spiritually. You're going to feel it. And every time you try to come and spar with me or try to fight with me, little do you know I've been practicing, sir, ma'am. And so 
let Holy Spirit do what he's doing that. But when I was talking to my husband again, trying to stay on that, but Holy Spirit's bringing me somewhere else. He said, you know, your expectations for people is too high. You're thinking you could just have one or two conversations, get a moment of clarity with someone, and then they go ahead and apply what you just discussed. That's how you operate. Everyone doesn't operate like that. So you're going to have to choose between one or two things. What's worth continuing to repeat myself for and then look at the columns that really mean something to you and say, I will waste my breath every time over this because I'm not going to have you do fill in the blank. So for me, it's the talking crazy. And by talking crazy, anything that doesn't look like you're speaking professionally, like I couldn't have allowed you to say that anywhere else in any other compartment in my life. So you cannot say that at work because, wow, you would have gotten these hands. And so he's like, for that, you're going to have to keep, quote, unquote, wasting your breath. Other things, you're going to be like, eh, you, you won't even matter in five years. But if you have to keep reminding someone, probably not with the same energy, but just reminders like, mm, okay, so I'm going to have to start adjusting how I deal with you because you haven't gotten the memo yet. I'm not seeing the outcome that I want to see yet. I was like, you know what? Cool. And so when I went to work today, I had a whole brand new mindset. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't comfortable because the way that I went in there the first quarter of my employment, I'm chipper and I'm happy and I'm wanting to know everybody and I'm wanting to learn everything. And it's just, you know, just new environment. Hey, <laughs> new phone, who this kind of thing, right? And went in there and was like, huh, 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 and went back in the corner like, what am I doing wrong with the swollen lip and the eye and the Adria? Like, it's just looking crazy. And God is like, I'm going to let you do a few rounds of that. And then I'm going to tap in. I'm not going to let you do all 12 like that. But I'm going to let you do a couple of rounds. Um, I'm going to let you do these fir this first three. Okay, girl. And I'm going to pull you to the side and say, you don't want to do something different? Like, they keep going for the rib cage. You don't want to try to guard that a little bit? Okay, because you remember when I taught you or I showed you in Proverbs that the Bible does say to guard your heart, right? And so it's not just, you know, your heart physically. Your, it has also to do with your emotions. Why are you not guarding your emotions or something that you, you know, it may change the way that you feel. If, if your thought process was making you do something different, going to negative light, you need to go ahead and guard that. Whatever it is that you need to guard, the Bible says that you should be going ahead and guarding it, sir and ma'am. So I was like, okay, wasn't comfortable today, but the outcome was what I wanted to see. There were similar situations that happened before that didn't bother me or settle me and got a different reaction out of me today. Today, I felt like, man, I wore the right armor. And the funny thing is that when I sat back in my car today, I was like, so if I could teach the person that I was three months ago, the lesson that I learned today, what would I put that, like what would be the bottom line foundational aha moment? And it was, I had pure intentions. I thought that everybody in the workplace, for the most part, you know, because I'm working with people of a certain stature, everyone is at least 50s and up, right? And I know some people are like, bruh, those, those, those be the worst ones. She didn't know, okay? I didn't know nothing about that. I'm thinking, okay, seniority, you've been here a while, or you've been in a career thing in a while. You know how to speak to people. I thought that I was coming in and everyone would be professional. Everyone would know how to speak to each other. Everyone would, you know, if you don't like each other, then that's fine, but it's not that crab in a barrel kind of mentality. And I came in with pure intentions, and it almost immediately was tainted. 
from day two. Remember when I told you that the HR manager was like, walk away? Like, that was her response to my question to her. It was like, excuse me? Whoa. <laughs> I'm so-. so I came to a, a mud bath with a beautiful white gown. I was clothed wrong. I had the wrong armor on. Matter of fact, to be honest, I didn't have any armor on. And that's why I was feeling every single thing. And so I said, well, I wonder how many people feel like that. That, man, I had pure intentions, but something or someone came along and they tainted it. And at least for me and where I'm going, it's not that they're tainting my view. They just showed me. And it's because, again, low-key, comma, pause, I have been at my other places of employment for a long time. And I think that when you're at a place for a long time, you start to just adapt how it was there. So I didn't have this issue anywhere else. So to come here, it was literally a cultural and professional shock for me. And so that's why it's getting so much play on our conversations and things with my husband. And I'm like, bro, you got, you have got to help me because I don't know if it's again, that I'm not, I'm not from here culturally. I'm from New York. I'm in the South. They're weird. Okay. Um, sorry, but you know, some of y'all grandbabies is not. Okay, great. Uh, all right, God, I want to talk about your people. But yeah, it just doesn't fit. It doesn't flow. To be honest, right before calling you, I had this conversation with my, my son and he was like, bro, I feel the same way. I'm like, you feel like you an alien too? He was like, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. It's just the air down here. Like, I don't get it. I'm like, broski. But again, but what really drove it home, and I couldn't write a better story. And this is why I don't even know how people could, like, how do you live without God, bro? Like, real talk. Can I say a lot for a moment? I don't know how people do it. To have a God that cares so much about you, that he orchestrates just, he uses your pain and your discomforts to make you stronger. And then he orchestrates your comfort to soothe you, to get you through it. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do no part of life without you, sir. Like, that's how I feel. It's like a little kid. Like, I love you, sir. Like, yeah, you know, it's just. So on my lunch break, my devotional just so happened to be that God made it where I read first Kings 13. Now this is after, Oh, David, you know, his son Solomon did wrong, okay? He he did all that building and building the, his own palace and building the the house and the throne and the, all that stuff for God and then turned right back around and did what he wanted to do. And God was like, yeah, so the promise that I made for your father, um, the one I made to David, I'll keep it, but now I have to reduce you and reduce what I originally promised because you didn't keep my commandments and what I told you to do. But we're going to talk about that somewhere else. I just want to give you a backdrop on what led up to first Kings 13. And so I'm like, okay, so this is where God is like, okay, somebody else is in command, but they're also doing something that shouldn't be done. So I need to go send one of my buddies out to go talk to y'all folks because he's wilding out there in them streets. So let's pick up. So first Kings 13, you know, I read from the NLT version. Here it goes, verse 1. At the Lord's command, I want to repeat that because that's going to be significant later. At the Lord's command, a man of God from Judah went to Bethel, arriving there just as Jeroboam was approaching the altar to burn incense. 2. 
Then at the Lord's command, he shouted, Oh, altar, altar. This is what the Lord says. A child named Josiah will be born into the dynasty of David. On you, he will sacrifice the priests from the pagan shrines who will come here to burn incense and human bones will be burnt on you. Oh, that was harsh. Hello to you too, sir. Three, that same day, the man of God gave a sign to prove his message. He said, the Lord has promised to give this sign. This altar will split apart and its ashes will be poured out on the ground. Four, when King Jeroboam heard the man of God speaking against the altar at Bethel, he pointed and shouted, seize that man. But instantly, the king's hand became paralyzed in that position and he couldn't pull it back. That's frightening. Five. At the same time, a wide crack appeared in the altar and the ashes poured out, just as the man of God had predicted in his message from the Lord. Whoa. It's getting juicy. You mean to tell me what he said, God said, actually happened? Shocker. Six. The king cried out to the man of God, please ask the Lord your God to restore my hand again. So the man of God prayed to the Lord and the king's hand was restored and he could move it again. Okay. Seven. Then the king said to the man of God, come to the palace with me, have something to eat, and I will give you a gift. Eight. But the man of God said to the king, even if you gave me half of everything you own, I would not go with you. I would not eat or drink anything in this place. For the Lord God gave me this command. You must not eat or drink anything while you are here and do not return to Judah by the same way you came. Ten. So he left Bethel and went home another way. 11. As it happened, there was an old prophet living in Bethel, and his sons came home and told, told him what the man of God had done in Bethel that day. They also told their father what the man had said to the king. 12. The old prophet asked them, which way did he go? So they showed their father which road the man of God had taken. 13. Quick, saddle the donkey, the old man said. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he mounted it. 14. Then he rode after the man of God and found him sitting under a great tree. The prophet asked him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? Yes, I am, he replied. 15. Then he said to the man of God, Come home with me and eat some food. Hmm, kind of seems like deja vu, right? 16. No, I cannot, he replied. I'm not allowed to eat or drink anything here in this place. For the Lord gave me this command. You must not eat or drink anything while you are there. And do not return to Judah by the same way you came. 18. But the prophet answered. But the old prophet answered. I'm a prophet too, just as you are. And an angel gave me this command from the Lord. Bring him home with you so he can have something to eat and drink. But the old man was lying to him. 19. So they went back together, and the man of God ate and drank at the prophet's home. 20. Then while they were sitting at the table, a command from the Lord came to the old prophet. He cried out to the man of God from Judah, This is what the Lord says. You have defied the word of God and have disobeyed the command the Lord your God gave you. 22. You came back to this place and ate and drank where he told you not to eat or drink. Because of this, your body will not be buried in the grave of your ancestors. 23. After the man of God had finished eating and drinking, the old prophet saddled his donkey for him, and the man of God started off again. But as he was traveling along, a lion came out and killed him. 
His body laid there on the road with the donkey and the lion standing beside him. 25. People who passed by saw the body laying in the road and the lion standing beside it, and they went and reported it to Bethel, where the old prophet lived. 26. When the old when the prophet heard the report, he said, It is the man of God who disobeyed the Lord's command. The Lord has fulfilled his word by causing the lion to attack and kill him. <sighs> Let me explain something to you. You know what this showed me? The very thing that I was having a problem with. The very thing that God had to tap me on my shoulder with. That pure intentions can sometimes cause a sense of naiveness and naiveness with pure intentions can be fatal. Now, I don't want you to be so slick that you feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably pure hearted, but I, I'm not naive. No, you mean to tell me that you never got backstabbed by somebody at the job where you felt like, bro, I didn't, I thought because you were in this particular hierarchy or this particular seniority or, I thought because that one time we had that moment at the lunch break or the lunch table, like I thought that one time that I helped you with that personal thing outside of work or you never felt like, wow, I didn't see that coming. That's a sense of, that's a little bit of naivety. You don't think so? Hmm? You never had a relationship that really crushed you? That you felt like, bro, I really thought that when you said um, I love you, that you meant it and that your actions were going to follow that? No. You, you never had it where uh, you kind of looked at a friend and you were like, bro, you were a foe this whole time? Like you were just waiting for the opportunity to like show your real face? Like you didn't want to tell me this in the beginning? I don't understand. You never had that one splat with that family member that you're like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's amazing how now that I need your help or now that I need your ear or now that I need you in any kind of capacity, it's amazing now that you have the the hand to actually lend. I don't even see yours, but I gave you both of mine. Hmm? Ever felt that? Let me break down the meaning of naive. So that because if you're anything like me before this conversation, I thought naive was just you just stupid. You just making my way downtown, watching, ooh, cars. And you just, you playing in traffic, bro? Like, what you just thought they was all going to stop for you? Like, what do you, you live under a rock? What, what? You didn't understand that that wasn't going to fly, really? I don't understand. Oh, okay. You know, I think airheaded-ish is when I think naive sometimes. Like, where have you been that you didn't know that that wasn't okay? That you leaving your windows down and your key in the car? Like, what? I don't understand. Like, you know, some places you can do that, but, like, mm, you got to know your surroundings. So I went to go define naive. And you know, the good bishop over there, New Oxford um, Ministries, uh, the dictionary people, it has it as the adjective showing a lack of experience, wisdom, or judgment. Very simple, right? It's showing a lack of experience. You never experienced it before. You don't have this in your arsenal to have that wisdom yet, or you judged that wrong. Mm, you know what? Prior to you, I didn't have that. <laughs> I didn't have that wisdom. I didn't have this experience before, so I'm. It was the lax in my judgment piece. And so I was like, you know what? I hate it for that prophet that came from Judah. That his heart was so pure, that he was willing to tell people, "This is what God told me." 
He said that I cannot eat with you. I cannot go back the same way. And not only did he say it once, he said it twice. He said it thrice, okay? It was something that was like, yeah, this is what God told me to do. Because I I guess in some kind of sense, he must have thought that people were going to be like, oh, okay, that's what God said to do. And respect the fact that he's a man of God. He's a prophet. He's saying what God told him to do. Shouldn't be no secret. Y'all should respect this and let him make his way downtown another way. And so when I looked at that and I kind of zoomed out, I was like, what can I learn from the prophet? Because I, too, have pure intentions. I don't scour among the malicious. I don't try to find, hmm, how to get somebody and bring them down with me. I just don't. That's not my wiring. That's not my baseline. That's just not my natural posture. So if I can learn anything from the first three months, the first quarter of me being at this job, and then all of a sudden letting God having it where I read First Kings 13, just align that, what am I going to pull back from watching this pure-hearted man pretty much walk the same way that I walk, except that his ending was fatal? And I ain't going to hold you. Pause real quick. I was mad. I was like, God, God, this is not, this is not fair. He was like, one, ma'am, pipe down. I said, yes, sir. He said, two, um, this was pre-Jesus, so this was the time frame that they knew you did it right or you're dead. You have a nice day. There was no in-between. I was like, okay, got you. Okay, great. But what I was able to pull from him was three things. One, he informed the public what God told him in private. Mm, how sometimes we let our excitement or our pure intention or even being naive or just being simple-minded at the time, last of judgment, however you want to coin it, how we allow that to put us on a slippery slope of somewhere that we never intended to be. How you're so excited to say, I think I finally met the one. No, because I'm excited. I, I, I started a new job. And, you, and you know, God said that this is mine. And God said that I was going, that I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to climb the career ladder. Isn't that the same banana pill that Joseph in the Bible slipped up on? He had a dream. Nobody else was in his dream. Nobody else was able to tap in and go, uh-uh, you had a dream last night. I don't like that. No, it was God gave him a dream that his brothers were going to serve him. And what did Joseph do in his very pure, intentioned shell and soul and spirit? He told his brothers, hey, guess what? (laughs) I'm going to be big time. Y'all going to be serving me, sir. They were like, when you open your mouth to something that God whispered to you, and then you say it to a crowd, you open your life to an attack. You open your life for people to then have an opinion. That's why sometimes people are so secretive and it looks painful. Like, why didn't you tell me? Because along the way, they have learned when I tell too many people, I hear too many opinions and it's too much for me to fight through and still do what God told me to do. Wisdom comes from silence, not secretiveness, from silence. Because, you know, eventually Joseph's brother would have saw, oh, Bro, we're serving you. He would have been like, yeah, I knew that since I was 17. I just never told (laughs) y'all. Like, God showed me the dream like a long time ago. It was nothing. Right? You got to be careful of that public, private conversation bleeding over. 
That's why the Bible says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It's saying in that context, it was talking about, you know, giving to the poor and then letting it be known, look what I'm doing. But it actually, you know, if we can, we can actually apply it here. Everybody doesn't need to know what God told you. And I know you're excited to share and you, hey, I want to tell you this. and This is what I learned. Don't you realize that once you put out what God told you or what he showed you, what you felt like you learned, you get tested almost immediately. And that's not from God. That's just the that's just the, the demonic realm, the earthly realm, however you want to put it, saying, oh, yeah, let me see if you really learned that. Isn't that, isn't that how Eve slipped up with the serpent? When she was like, she had to explain to the serpent, like, oh, no, he said, mm-mm. he said we can eat, but he said not to eat from, like, bro, you telling too much. God told Adam that in private. Ain't nobody else needed to know that. As far as everybody else is concerned, it, it probably was just a tree of decor. But once you open your mouth to the public on a private conversation that God had with you, guess what? Now you <laughs> you better hope that you got what's in your what's in your arsenal you better hope that you have what's required for this particular attack that's about to be there feel bad for the prophet of judah <laughs> i'm sure he was just like i i'm just telling people what god told me yeah but you know what look where it led you sir you didn't know that then but i learned that from you now so note to self <laughs> private and public all right i got that what's the second one cool i'm glad you asked um he trusted someone with a similar title, but not a similar character. I really need us to understand that likeness doesn't equate to lightheartedness. Like just because we're in the same in one category doesn't mean that we operate the same in the important categories. That just because you're a prophet, I shouldn't just be talking to you freely because you're a prophet. I don't know you, sir. You clearly don't know each other. That's why the prophet that, the old prophet had to come to the dude and say, are you the prophet that came from um, Judah? He didn't know him. But to be able to hear, oh, you from the same city I'm from? It, don't you get, and, and be realistic. I know we can read some of these things like, nah, I would have never. No, be honest. Let you hear that somebody you just met got a birthday around your same time. you like, oh, because we the best. Yes. Uh-uh. Be honest. Don't let it be that somebody's from your hometown. Don't let it be that somebody has the same name or something as you or they like the same team as you. There is a human instinct to have commodity with someone who shares a likeness with you. The default in that, the fatality in that is that you're not checking anything off to see if they have a similar character to you. Yeah, she may be from New York with me, but I don't know your characteristics. I don't know your principles. I don't know how you live your life. So I can't befriend you off of one likeness alone. My gosh, the man would have still been living if he was like, cool, prophet to prophet. Let me go ahead and give you this pound real quick. Mm, bring it in. Solid. Cool. But I'm still making my way downtown another way. I appreciate you, sir. But I have something to do that's bigger than this conversation right here. Oh, my gosh. How, how much time I would have saved myself. Not walking in an office and feeling like, 
I'm a professional, you're a professional, we're professionals. And trying to be the professional.com or realizing like, oh my gosh, but you're a backstabber and you talk to people crazy. And then also, why do you ask people invasive questions like that? Like, what not this a workplace? Like, yeah, you came to work to be a professional. You thought that people that would come into work were there to do the same thing too? Mm, joke's on you, right? So when I looked at this prophet, I was like, sir... I think we share the same problem. We live under the assumption that because I'm pure intended and because I don't have any maliciousness in me or because if I said a thing, I meant a thing. And if it's repeated, it's not repeated in harshness. Like you, I am what I said I am. And so you walked and lived the life thinking that people are who they say they are too. No, no. And he's not even... (laughs) I, he's not even living in this day and time. They was grimy all the way back then with the with the donkey saddle. Like, saddle my donkey. I'm finna be uh, disrespectful and grimy. You finna be grimy on a donkey, sir? He ain't even, he ain't even catch an Uber to be grimy? Yo, you've been grimy. Like, really let that settle in. People been grimy since the donkey, sir. Ma'am. They've been, they been slimy since the sand and the sandal. I can't. So that hit home because I was like, dang, I'm, I, I want to think that I'm better, but I'm no better than a prophet. I ain't going to hold you. But I'm glad that I learned from you. And that's the thing about wisdom. Can you pull f- wisdom from somebody else's wound? Can you pull the lesson from somebody else's pain? Because if you can do that, then it wasn't in vain. And, and I ain't mean to rhyme, but that's just how the Holy Spirit had it come out. So you take it up with him. Okay, cool. So what's the third thing? I told you I learned three things from him. The third thing was he went off of what another person said and never confirmed it with God. Never confirmed it with God. Remember when I first started reading this chapter, 1 Kings 13, and the first line I said I'm going to repeat it twice because it's going to be needed for later. Let me reread that. At the Lord's command, a man of God from Judah went to Bethel, arriving there as Joabum was approaching the altar to burn incense. At the Lord's command, how do you know that God's commanding you to do something? Because he told you, oh, okay. Then we read again, he knows exactly what to tell the sir Joabum. Because, again, you got to have your ear to God in order to know what to say to God, right? Because if he didn't say it right, the times that he was living in, he would have been a little bit, you know, sleepy permanently, if you will. Hmm? Yeah. Okay. Then he went on to let Buddy know, all, this is what God said, and then also this is a sign that's going to be done, um, just so that you know that I, that what I'm saying came from God. Okay, great. Then as Joabon was going to go ahead and say, cease that man, the man's hand gets paralyzed. You didn't miss that part, right? Because I know it was a lot of verses we read. And it says, and this is in, let me go back for you so you can read back and read your good, um, so proper Bible, okay? And that was at verse 4. And, and then it says that when the man's hand got paralyzed in that position, he couldn't pull it back. So he asked him, like, can you pray to your God and go ahead and have him restore my hand again? And 
you know, the prophet was able to go ahead and have that transaction and that was done. And so that's a lot of transaction. That's a lot of trust. That's a lot of different spiritual things going on. And how can that be of a fact? How can that even be a thing? Because that man was close to God. And so here's my thing. How is it being so close to God that he went off of what the old prophet said and he never confirmed it with God? Here's my thing. And I always go back to this. That's why I despise when a woman says, that's my husband. I'm going to go tell him. Uh, ma'am. Mm-mm. That's my wife. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I, I be- the Lord made you my wife. Uh, sir, button up your shirt straight. Uh, let's go ahead and. Well, I'm going to go ahead and just say, I'm going to decree and declare. And, I mean, that's cool, you know, what you do in your private time. But um, when you start going up to people and letting them know this is what God said or this is, mm-mm, don't do that because I don't believe that. You want to know why? I can, no, I can simply, I can make it, I ain't even going to make it opinionated. I'm going to make it biblical. When the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, hmm, yeah, we're going there, and told her, like, yeah, so you're pregnant, uh, shouts out to you, and you're also going to be having the Savior of the world, so I'm trusting you with this information. I hope you're not a gossip, okay, great. Uh, and then also name him Jesus, okay? And she was like, what, sir? And he had to go ahead and do that while the angel was speaking to Mary, the angel was also speaking to Joseph. Mary never had to go back to Joseph and say, real quick, I know it's going to sound crazy, but listen to me. Um, So, like, an angel came to me yesterday, like, when I was in the middle of, like, um, washing my feet off the sand and all that other stuff, and was like, I'm pregnant. No, real talk. Like, No, seriously, I didn't step out. I'm not trying to get, I'm pregnant. It's going to be the Savior of the world, and his name's supposed to be Jesus. Like, I know, stop looking at me like that. I know it's good. Mary didn't have to translate to Joseph what God said to her. God is a God that if I said it to you, you would know. You want to know how else I know also? Okay, great. In the Bible, okay, um, God gave the command to Adam. Um, How is it that Eve knew off back what tree not to? Now, we can speculate that Adam told. We can speculate some other, but I almost want to believe that when something is said and then you are in the midst of God, that is transferred to you. I do not believe, let me go ahead and tell you this. I do not believe that God is a one communicative God, that he's going to tell somebody else something and nobody else ain't going to know it. And the only way you're going to know is if it's from God is because a person is going to tell you. Hmm? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You know how many times I'm tripped up over this? That when I moved to Georgia, I had a friend actually tell me, I don't think that that's your home. I'm like, really? She's like, yep, I think that you chose the wrong state. I was like, huh, that's weird. But um, I stayed because God didn't tell me that. Have a nice day. And guess what? Uh, I've been doing extremely well. And that friend tried several different states, even tried to come to Georgia and failed miserably. I don't, now in that particular uh, story, I did well. But let me tell you where I almost tripped up at. A long time ago, long, long time ago, in the land, land far away where I lived, I did have the envision that I wanted to go back to school. But someone that I respected said to me, I don't think that that's God's will for you. 
And because it came from someone that I respected, I adhered to it. And I started to conform to it. Yeah, because my kids are young and I don't want to go back to school and I don't want a student loan. And and I did all these different things. And to fast forward to where I'm at now, I wish that I could have shook that person. You let a person confirm or deny something that you could have just went back on God to God and checked on. You think God would have gave you a desire of your heart, but only gave the key to that door to somebody else's verbiage to you. You mean to tell me that God can have a plan for you and have it all orchestrated, but it can only be fulfilled and directed and correlated if someone else tells you the next piece of it? No, absolutely not. And so I learned a great deal from both of these prophets. It's helped me in my personal life. I'm not even going to hold you because now I'm looking and I'm like, Okay, so I don't feel, you know, I don't feel like a lame. Like, you went in there and you thought that these people were going to be like, no, but the prophet didn't even know, buddy. <laughs> you know, we, I feel like we in similar shoes. But to be able to look back and go, man, but I can pull some lessons from that. My challenge to you is, A, I want you to go ahead and identify where you were sitting in the prophet's shoes in some areas where you're like, you know what, honestly, yeah I thought that such and such he said he was asleep and I thought he was asleep I thought he was being faithful when he was like I don't talk to no other you know chicks I ain't like that like whatever he said to sweep you off your feet you believed and just for you to be like wow he's just an old prophet and you thought that you know put whatever the situation was and can I pause real quick I probably would have felt better about this particular Bible illustration if it said that the man who did the griminess was a young prophet I think that there is a certain level of immaturity or pettiness or you know lack of decision making that is kind of expected and accepted from a young person but I think the most disheartening portion of this entire story for me was that he was an old prophet because old to me equates to wisdom, but I have so seldomly learned that age and every happy birthday does not equate to someone getting wiser. People are just out here in these streets just getting older. And the fact that he was a prophet, a man of God, but he had that crab in the barrel kind of mentality was like, wow. Yeah, it even happens in the kingdom of God. So the challenge, the first part, how, what area of your life are you like you know what I am acting like the prophet from Judah real quick like yeah I gotta go ahead from those three points I want to go ahead and get my mind right and then at the same time my bigger challenge to you is can you guard your pure intentions like let people build and show you who they really are and sometimes that takes years, sometimes that takes whatever, but it doesn't have to be a waste of time. You can go in it like, God, I need you to show me because I don't want to feel or see that I wasted my time when I could have just asked you from the beginning. Do you see what I'm saying? But all right, I feel and know that you got what you needed. This conversation was yum, 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 delicious. I'm talking about yummy goodiness, you understand? Because if nothing at all, I feel much better. And let me tell you something. As much as I don't want to spill my tea to you, sometimes that limpton be hitting. Because I'm like, any other way will be inauthentic. 
Now, if I had an idea and I'm like, oh, okay. But if I tried to hide my growth as I'm literally walking this out real time, I feel like I will miss out on these nuggets and I will miss out on these convos. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to seem like I have it all together. When, when I, when, you know, when my nose is running, I want to be able to say, ooh, I need a tissue. <laughs> you know, I should be big enough that I have tissues with me because I know that nose runs. But um, it's not, you know, I'm caught out in these streets. My bad. Embarrassed. Okay, great. And sometimes I am embarrassed, but you know what? Most times I'm not because this is a safe place to have a conversation. I love the fact that it's a judgment-free phone call. But again, I feel like you got what you needed. You know what these conversations are. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person is going to have with you. So why not have it with your favorite girl, homegirl? Hmm? Why not? I mean, what else you got to do better than me? Wait, that sound. Mm-mm. Okay, let's rewind. Feel like you got what you needed. So I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> later. <laughs>